0: Enjoy that process. Enjoy that relationship with him. Enjoy that friendship, that covenant partnership. Hello, friends, and welcome. Thanks for listening. The last few episodes, previous to the very last episode, which was a live sermon, but the episodes before that, we've been talking about prayer and how to always have your prayers answered. And the short answer is if you always want to get your prayers answered, then you should always pray for what Jesus wants. Because prayer is not a tool to make our will be done in heaven, but prayer is an opportunity to be God's covenant partner and to let his will be done on the earth. But when I first discovered that, it became kind of very confusing to me, and I really didn't know how to pray anymore. Because um I was confused. I thought, why do I need to ask God to do what he already is going to do? But, you know, I think it that's the example that we have in Scripture, and that God has chosen to limit himself to working through his covenant partners on the earth. And I think we can see that throughout the narrative of Scripture and throughout the different covenants that God made with Noah and Abraham and David and Moses and Israel and the new covenant through Jesus, where now God is working through his church to administrate his kingdom. So, Prayer is an opportunity for us to be God's covenant partner and to let God's will come to the earth, but there are times when we want to pray for something and we don't know whether or not it's God's will, and I think it's perfectly appropriate to present our desires to the Lord in a posture not of, uh, I'm going to try and manipulate God and get him to do what I want him to do, but in a posture of, Father, I don't know if this is something you have for me or not, but I'm going to present my desire to you in prayer and to see how you respond and and see how the Spirit leads me. So let's start today with uh, Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I'd like to go back for a minute and just look at the very first question that Jesus asks. He says, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Now, I dare say that nobody does that. Like who, who would go to a friend? Like if you had another friend come and visit your house and you didn't have anything to feed them, would you really go to another friend and knock on their door at the middle in the middle of the night and say, Hey, give me, give me some food. I don't have any food to give this other friend. <laughs> So, like, basically, I've got this other friend who I think is more important than you, so I'm going to disturb you, and I want you to give me some food for my friend. Like, we we probably wouldn't even do that in the middle of the day, uh, to go and ask a friend for food to feed another friend, unless the first friend was, like, a really, really close friend, which, obviously, in this story, he must be. So that's also, you know, a pretty valuable takeaway to show that this is the kind of relationship that God is inviting us into. He's saying, which of you would do this? And I think the answer is generally, well, none of us. No one would do that. But Jesus is inviting them into this relationship to to be bold, to realize, look, we're gonna be such close friends. I wanna be such a close friend with you that you are emboldened, that you feel in, uh, close enough to me to come in the middle of the night and knock on my door. And so then the friend, if the friend is like, hey, look, it's too late, you know, go away. I'm already in bed. My kids are in bed. Leave me alone. I'm asleep, man. Uh, Which I, to me, I think still speaks to uh, a closeness of relationship more than perhaps an annoyance. Like if an acquaintance, sometimes we'll do things for acquaintances that we won't do for close friends or family, you know, because we 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 feel more comfortable we know that if we tell our close friends or family no they won't reject us and it won't you know hopefully ruin the relationship but uh sometimes we we don't want to um take a risk like that with an acquaintance or with a friend that we don't know well so we you know but someone that you know well you can be like man hey this isn't a good time for me go away and um so so this is really what the Lord is inviting us into, and yet this person persists, and it says because of his uh, impudence or his persistence that the other friend goes ahead and gives him what he needs. And so this is Christ inviting us into this relationship, this kind of friendship, this kind of nearness. And then he comes to the end. He says, you know, if you guys who are evil, you know how to get good gifts to your children. You know, when my kids come and ask me for something, I don't try and sabotage them or try and hurt them or try and you know set them up for failure. I want to give them anything they ask for, anything that they ask for that's good for them, that I have the power, the means to give them, I want to give it to them. And so the only exception when I don't give my kids what they ask for is either I don't have the means to give it to them or it's not good for them. And here in this parable, we see Jesus inviting us to say, be bold, be bold. Which of you is bold enough to go to his friend at midnight and ask him for food for another friend? And Jesus is saying, be bold like that. Be confident in your father's goodness. You know, I think of the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus wanting uh, healing for her daughter. And Jesus said, no, I can't take the the food of the children and give it to the dogs you know because Jesus had come to minister to the Jews and she said yes but even the dogs get the crumbs from the table like this woman was so confident in God's goodness so confident in the goodness of Jesus that she was not going to be denied she knew he was good she knew he would meet her need and she hang she held on to him she she pressed into that And he was like, man, you have great faith and your daughter is healed. And her faith laid hold of, you know, what she was desiring. She got it from Jesus. And so I think Jesus is inviting us into that kind of relationship and into that kind of boldness with him where we come and we can present the desires of our heart. Now, I suppose we can find a caveat to that in James chapter 4 where it says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? So friendship with the world is hatred toward God. And so, you know, it wouldn't be loving of God. Like I said before, the only time I don't give something to my children is when either I can't give it to them, which really isn't a problem for God, or when it's not good for them. And so it would not be good for God to give us things that are going to increase our friendship with the world. And so when we come and we're asking things in lust to spend it on our passions, to increase kind of our connectedness and our attachedness to this world, attachedness, is that a word? Anyway, you know what I mean? To, to increase how connected we are to this world, that's not a good thing. And so God wouldn't give that to us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is saying that the appointed time has grown very short, so let those who have wives live as though they have none, those who mourn as though they were not mourning, those who rejoice as if they were not rejoicing, those who buy as if they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. And so... The Bible reminds us, you know, 1 John two fifteen. do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So the purpose of prayer is not to acquire more things in the world. Jesus said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In Colossians chapter 3, he says, to seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So if we're if we're praying and we're asking God to give us the, the passions of our heart that are going to increase our mind being set on the earth, it would not be loving for God to grant us those prayers, those desires. But when we can set a desire before the Lord, when we're really not sure, God, would this thing be good for me or would this thing be bad for me? I think the Holy Spirit can lead us in those things. And we, you know, The Bible also says that you have not because you ask not. And so if there are, you know, desires that we have, whether that be a relationship or material things or whatever, I think as long as those things aren't harmful for us, God has no problem allowing us to have those things and to enjoy those things. The Bible says that God provides everything for our enjoyment in First Timothy 6.17. So God's not opposed to us enjoying the created realm that he made. What he's opposed to is us being possessed by our possessions in a way that keeps us from experiencing his life. That is a mistake that we can fall into in prayer if we perceive God as some kind of a gumball machine where we input this thing, and we we get out something else, you know, kind of a, the Santa Claus in the sky, where we bring our wish list to the Lord, and it's not really doesn't it, it's not about us being connected with His heart and being His covenant partner on the earth to accomplish His purposes. It's about us using God to get what we want. Consider this quote: this is a pretty famous quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, "If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels." extraordinary. Something incredible. The administration of his government throughout the cosmos for all of eternity. And now we get to practice. We get to begin walking in it even now as we live our lives on the earth. Let me read this verse to you. It's frequently taken out of context. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 uh, starting in verse 9. It says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. And a lot of times you'll hear that and people will stop there. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. But then listen to the very next verse, verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Skipping down to verse 16, it says, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. So God is inviting us into this place of nearness, of intimacy, of being a covenant partner with him. And we really shouldn't, you know, the the exhortation of Ephesians 5.17 says this, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So when we come to God and we pray, Father I have this desire, and I don't know if it's your will or not. Would you inform me by the Holy Spirit indwelling me, being inside of me? So when we pray, when we're presenting our desires to the Lord, it's not a cop-out. The the Bible says in Ephesians 5.10, we're supposed to find out what pleases God. And then the one I just read, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God's will is... Is knowable. It's accessible. God wants to be known. He wants to be in this friendship with us where we can come to Him at midnight and, you know, start knocking on the door to get provision. God is not opposed to that. God's inviting us into that. And so I encourage you when we don't know how to pray sometimes, you know, and and sometimes we really don't know how to pray and we can pray in tongues and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. But I'm talking about when we have something that we're not sure whether or not it's good for us or not, whether or not it's a a legitimate desire that would further God's kingdom on the earth, or if it's just a lust of our flesh. And I would invite you in those moments to engage with God, that God wants this relationship with you. He wants it to function like an actual relationship between two persons. (laughs) Like it's a real thing. And so I would just encourage you in that to... um, Yes, like to, to, as we become God's covenant partners and we learn the purpose of prayer, we can f- pray informed prayers. But in those moments when we're not sure, we can present our desires to the Lord and enjoy, enjoy that process, enjoy that relationship with him, enjoy that friendship, that covenant partnership. All right. God bless you. Talk to you soon.